Welcome, Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics, 40K Codex Analysis, List Building, Strategy Development, Game Theory, Mentoring. Our mission, to help you become a better player and to raise the level of the game both on and off the tabletop. Here's your host, Stephen Box. Hey, and welcome back to the Competitive 40K Podcast. Now, I just want to say... I'm sorry, we had a slight delay in getting out this episode for you, uh, but today is going to be an absolute corker of a show. Uh, I'm joined by Jack. How are you doing, Jack? Yeah, I'm good. I'm back. You're back, mate. Yeah. That... You can't leave us again. It all goes pear-shaped. <laughs> but you've got your sorted, your internet issues out as well, right? Yes, yes. Should be okay now. No, that's good. No, um, that's why we had a little bit of a uh, interruption into our normal schedule. But anyway, we're good now. So, Jack... We've got a little bit of news to cover, but what are we going to be covering on today's show? What is the topic of today? So today we're talking about the um, it's the top big five bad boys, I think, is, is kind of what we want to cover today. And uh, they're really getting the, the media headlights and, uh, and coming up with strategies of how to deal with them and delve into a bit more detail on what makes them so good. And, uh, and and ways and means to uh, work and play around them or deal with them on the tabletop. Yeah, so we're going to cover not only what these five are, but also what they do in a nutshell, what makes them so powerful, and then give you guys some uh, yeah top tips to help you navigate around them so you don't feel like they're just this overwhelming um, you know, powerhouse on the table. But before we get into that, I've got a little bit of an announcement to make, uh, or we have, should I say, uh, at Vanguard Tactics. We've become official previewers for Games Workshop now, so that means... Well, not only this is a huge for the channel, but it does mean that we can give you content when it comes to pre-order time amongst all the other fantastic reviewer channels that are out there. So uh, really excited to uh, become part of the team. And obviously, Jakari Codex release on the, I think, pre-order on the 20th, I think. So um, yeah, that's right. Very excited about that. And in regards to Drakari, we're also going to be running one of our free masterclasses on Sunday the 28th at 4pm. It's going to be a live masterclass with myself and Joe. And um, again, if you want to sign up for that, all the links will be coming soon uh, through our email list and you can sign up for that on our website. Uh, but the biggest announcement for today is that last month, and this started from the LVO Nopen, we decided to use all YouTube revenue that we generate through the YouTube channel and also all the people that kindly supports us through the Super Chat donations when they ask us questions. We've raised $500 for Movember in one month. So um, I'm astounded by that. And I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody that is supports the channel, you know, putting a Super Chat, a dollar, you know, we had some people putting in $100 um, for some and uh, it was incredible. So uh, yeah, I think we raised about 460 then I rounded off to a nice 500 so uh yeah awesome that's a great achievement uh, to to really hit our uh, our charitable uh, goals uh, looking to beat next year isn't it last year even yeah last year we raised a thousand pounds in a year so i mean we're well on the way to uh smashing that this year so um yeah and again it's i think november a fantastic charity because they really look after those people that may be a little bit more vulnerable at this time and um obviously you know it's a really difficult stage that we're going through and the more charitable we can be, the better, I believe. So um, anyway, without any further ado, let's get into who is the number one 
Well, not necessarily in order, are these? But these are just no. five of them. But who's the first one we're going to cover today? We've got uh, the man of Nurgle himself, Mortarian. Okay, very nice. Is he overpowered? No, I don't think he's overpowered. I think he's very good. He's got some very interesting rules, but uh, he's a, a quarter of a 2,000-point two, two army. So uh, so I think he is, uh, he's probably about right, to be honest. And hopefully by the end of this show, you're going to realise actually maybe he's not so overpowered and he might not even be the best option for you. But again, this is, if you don't apply these tactics, then he is going to feel like an absolute overwhelming powerhouse, mm-hmm. isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. So when we get to Mortarion, what makes him so powerful on the table? He's got, he's, he's highly defensive and he's got a lot of layers of defense. So if, if you start um, thinking about the way, how you kind of do damage to him, first of, firstly, he's toughness eight, which is a, it's a great break point in toughness. Your, your small arms are strength four or lower, wounding him on sixes, etc. And he, he's a bit more resilient to like Melter as well, because then he'll be wounding on fours. And then he has a four plus in vulnerable save. So in theory, anything with AP, a half of it is going to then save on that invun save. Yeah. And then once you get past those two, he's then minus one damage. So any damage does get through is then reduced by one. And then whatever gets through after that, he has a five that feel no pain against. So he saves a third of the wounds that eventually do come through. Yeah, that's a hell of a lot of durability right there, isn't it? Yeah. It's the layers of it is, 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 the, uh, is the killer. I mean, let's take a, I don't know, a profile, which is strength eight, um, I don't know, minus four, and it's uh, two damage, then straight away, even if you had 20 of those shots, or only 10 are going to wound, and then only five are going to get through the invulnerable save, Mm -hmm. and then instead of that becoming, you know, 10 damage, it actually is just five damage, because each of those two damage becomes one damage, and then you've got a five plus, and you're going to save maybe two out of those five anyway. Yeah. Um, so actually only three, and that would have been, t- you know, what did I say, 20 shots, strength yes. eight, minus yeah. four, whatever, uh, two damage. That doesn't stop there though, does it? How does he get even better? So he has a aura ability. It's quite a short aura ability that grows with his contagion to turn off re-rolls, and Normally, he will be accompanied by a foul blight spawn to also make you fight last in combat. So, you, what you're telling me is I can't reroll hits and wounds against him in combat. Yeah, and also he turns off auras, right? In a contagion he range. Can. Yes, yes. So even if you're not hitting him in combat, and maybe you want to shoot him up close with some rerolls, it's just not going to work. So um, that is yeah, very are. strong. If you're up close and personal, you're going to struggle to, to do some damage to him because he, he's got those great debuffs. He's also relatively quick with the fly keyword as well. He moves, I believe it's 12 inches, um, so he can get around the board and jump between objectives. And he has a reasonable amount of damage output. It's, it's quite good for... Uh, it's not the highest for someone at 500 points because most of his points is probably full of defensive buffs, but he, he can kick out, I think it's about 21 attacks, isn't it, with his uh, sweep. And um, I think it's seven on his high damage attacks, as well as being a psyker as well. So he could smite and he could, t- could take some of the, the Nurgle psychic powers for a further uh, mortal wound output. Yeah. And also, i just add to that very quickly, he's got three denies, hasn't he? Yes. Which, yeah. again, adds to those layers, as you rightly said. Um, now, as soon as you said that, I was thinking, Mortarion, all I'm going to think now is Shrek. Just layers There's like an onion. onion. Yeah. Yeah. 
I can see the resemblance between the two. They're both green, you know. Anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's got those denies, which are really good against some of those other factions that rely on psychic powers, like Eldar, to uh, really do those, you know, damage to him or make, you know, sort of debuff him. He's very, um, you know, defensive against those as well. Yeah, nice. And I think one of the other things is that when he brackets, um, the elements that does bracket on his profile is his attack characteristic goes down to five. So even when he's using his sweep attack, he's still getting 15 attacks. Still decent as much as you think how, um, you know, bad knights were back in the day with their stomp attacks. Mm hmm. You know, they would get 15 attacks and you're like, oh, that's a lot. And now he's doing that on his final bracket. When he's got one wound left, he's still kicking out five, you know, 15 attacks. Um, he moves, I think, eight at that profile as well, or six to eight. So he's still relatively, um, you know, moving quite quickly. Um, yeah, I think the, the damage brackets in, uh, across the game are becoming less severe generally to to models with it. It's obviously, it, they do get worse, but... Uh, not to the extent that that was probably previous in 8th edition. Yeah, I agree. So that's Mortarion in a nutshell. Um, very hard to charge. You can't kill him up close is what I'm hearing. And, you know, he's obviously very defensible. So what are his weaknesses? I'll just make one further point on Mortarion's kind of why he's kind of good. Because it's relevant to when we start looking at the other units as well. That he's, he's, he, he, he can act independently. He doesn't need necessarily characters next to him or uh, psychic powers put on him to, to operate at full effectiveness. He, he, you can put characters next to him, but he can work quite independently. And he can buff himself up, right, with rerolls to hit? Yes, and he can, yes, he can buff himself, make a minus one to hit. And rerolls to wound, I think you can give himself. Is that with the, because uh, pl- he's a plague weapons, right? And the Lord Yeah, Arch Contaminator. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's Warlord trait. One of his Warlord, one of his many Warlord traits. Yeah. So he's just, he runs around by himself doing what he needs to. Um, and then the rest of the army can do what they have to as well. Okay, cool. Yeah. So what is he weak to then? Yeah. So kind of think, how, how are we going to deal with him? So um, I, I, as per your kind of example, that strength eight weapon doesn't really kind of do it. Yeah, your last cannons, your melter guns are not particularly effective against it. So you need kind of high rate of fire or high rate of attacks. Works quite well. If you are going into melee with him instead of relying on re-rolls is there a way to get plus one to hit or plus one to wound because that won't then be turned off you can only be in one place at a time which is critical for when you're trying to you know if you wanted to ignore him for example and you want to play the mission instead uh, you can work around him you can only you can only dictate that one part of the table he's a lot of points for one model as well as i think we touched on he's a quarter of your army he's just shy of 500 points he's overweight 18 wounds as well so he can't be obscured yeah uh, he's not, and he's not objective secured as well. So, um, and it also, if you are looking to swing into melee, like trying to put a fight last on him would work quite well. Yeah, or if he fights you, you make him fight last. You get to swing before, especially yeah. if he's kind of left his little friend that makes you fight last, and you can get outside of that six-inch aura. So, uh, yeah, I think there's some really good, um, you know, applications there. So, actually, myself and uh, Ben, we were doing some practice games and I managed to take him down to one wound with some of your strategies that I put in place. I was using my unit of noise Marines 
Now, noise marines, they get three shots each. I've got a unit of 15. I spent one CP to get them strength five. So then I would wound him on fives, not sixes. I then spent some more CPs to get plus one to wound, like you suggested. And then what I did was I made sure I stayed out of that aura range and used my reroll wounds. And just with mm -hmm. rate of fire alone, um, I took him down to one wound remaining. You could have seen Jonesy's face when he had one wound left. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then I obviously, I did a lot of shots fired twice endless cacophony so again just putting in sheer rate of fire into him um you know certainly you know took down a quarter of uh, ben's army in a turn pretty much so um he can be dealt with yeah you've got to make sure you got the right tools yeah and that's that's the interesting thing when the new books come out you know there's not going to be a one answer to to fit to, to deal with all these units that we're going to cover today you need the variety of tools in your list to to, to interact and, and beat these kind of units that some of them will be similar but some of them you will need to think about in your list building stage to see, have I got a tool to deal with Mortarian? So what are the best tools then? When we look at actually killing him, what are some of the tools that you maybe want to, let's use these, you know, I know you've got four down here, but I think the first three you've put, these could be kind of like a checklist, couldn't they? So have you got yes. the following? What, what are the ways to kill him? So you need that rate of fire as you kind of, as your noise marine example of strength five or better, and ideally minus one AP to take him to his inventory save. So that could be your noise marines, as you said, fully stacked up, the towel burst cannon um, with AP1, um, interceptors with the bolters. Yes, they do have bolt guns as well as an option, as a loadout. What you're not telling not me is plasma. Not, it's not just plasma? No, no, it's, uh, there is options there. Um, you know, salamanders with, with flamers with plus one to wound might, might be quite effective as well because he's getting that high, you need a high volume of dice to go into him of that magical strength five or better um to really rack up make force him to make saves yep shadow spectres eh strength five yeah minus one one damage range 18 yeah nice perfect yeah damage free or high weapons uh if you can if you can get them all you know lots of the weapons are now becoming like flat three plus d3 they start to become quite effective as well um you, you wouldn't rely re rely on that as as the only way of kind of dealing with mortarian but uh, if you've got if you've got them in the list, um, they could be quite effective to get that high high damage round through. Um, hopefully, fails a couple of inland saves at the critical time, and you could start to do some real work on him. Yeah, and that's maybe what you start with is if you've got a good, you know, and obviously, you know, you might be there thinking, but I don't have any strength five minus one flat three damage. Well, yeah, you know, we, we're looking at different profiles. So, um, you know, let's say take Eldar, you've got your, um, I don't know, could be uh, fire dragons or dark reapers, which are damaged, you know, D6 or three. They could go in first. Let's get rid of Mortarion's rerolls. Maybe he's failed a save. And then we start chucking in the high rate of fire after that. So it doesn't need to be from one unit. It. again it is a quarter of his army so it is going to be a combined effort isn't it of different yes. sort of weapon profiles yeah absolutely and then what what else were you thinking uh mortal wounds and mortal wounds are great for getting because they bypass several most of the layers um of mortarian's defensive the only, the only way he gets to save against those is his five up feel no pain at the end so yeah. no reduced damage by one doesn't work on the mortals the toughness is irrelevant irrelevant as, as well as the inman save yeah yeah and you can't you can't minus one damage on mortal wounds either no so i think yeah so what we're basically saying is if you've got you know lots of uh you know damage three weapons and we, we are talking a lot we're not just talking you know two tactical teams with 
a rocket launcher each. We are talking a lot. We're not, you know, maybe that's, uh, let's put this into some sort of practical application. Maybe this is a unit of six eradicators uh, Mm -hmm. combining with, I know, a unit of five aggressors. And then we've also got a unit of five bolt gun inceptors. And then maybe we've got some other elements as well. So we can really just kind of concentrate that fire from the higher damage right the way down to the lower amount of shots. And, And I think you've made some really, you know, strong valid points there for that but if you're looking at your list um jack and you know i'm gonna you know maybe throw my blood angel one here i don't have damage three apart from my thunder hammers and then i just are probably fighting last anyway so i'm gonna be dead before i get to use them and i don't have high rate of fire and i don't do mortal wounds so what else can if you're looking at your list and you think i just don't have an answer to this should you be worried or what else can you start to do if you can't kill it what's our next thought process to handle him so you can look and start slowing him down um, to, to, to try and block him off from getting to certain parts of the board or stealing that vital objective or charging something that you don't want him to charge. Yeah. So a couple of techniques that uh, we've kind of thought about there is you can send multiple units into combat with him, but ensuring that whatever you put into him has more models or wounds than he has attacks so he can survive at least one round because Mortarian can't fall back and charge. So if you could tie him up, in that in that combat into the death guard turn it limits his options to what he can do yep so what we're kind of thinking here is um i don't know let's say you're playing uh, thousand sons and you go right i'm gonna put a unit of 10 rubric marines in there and then also a shaman or a character you know something that it's making that Death Guard player think, oh, well, I really want to put all my sweep attacks on the rubrics to kill them, but then I might have to allocate some attacks to this one lone character as well to try and kill him, and maybe there's an invun save, and all of a sudden you've got something. And that's the goal, isn't it? To have something left in combat with him at mm-hmm. the end of your charge phase, just to literally stop him from... Because if he falls back, he can't cast psychic powers. If he falls yep. back, he can't charge. So you're just going to take him out of action. And if you can take a quarter of somebody's army out of action for a turn, you're doing something right. And if you can do that for multiple turns, he's not even going to become an issue, is he? No, absolutely. And um, just you know, tar pitting is quite um, a common terminology used for that kind of technique. But but again, it could be. Uh, these techniques don't necessarily have to be used on their own. You could be looking on turn one. Um, you haven't got the tools to kill Mortarian on turn one, but you're going to do a bit of damage on turn one, and then you're going to look to slow him down, and then you can kind of rinse and repeat. Yeah, so it's kind of you're slowing him down to give you, to let your fu- rate of fire build up over multiple turns, right? Yeah, if you don't have exactly. it in, If you don't have it as the one pump, you can maybe, yeah, like we said, spread this out, but we're going to have to start. And this really starts to, um, you know, I think this is probably why when he first came out, everybody was so overwhelmed by his power. And it was because they're not thinking essentially when it gets down to the table. Okay, what are the techniques have I got? I can kill it. I can slow it down. I can do an amalgamation of the two. But we've got one more trick up our sleeve. And what is that? It's the applicate units to go into tar pits, make a good, if you've got like good defensive strats as well, like transhuman, that could be a really good unit for doing that. Yeah, or buffing your own invulnerable save or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So you could like throw in, you know, when we say tar pitting, we're talking about throwing in a unit of, I don't know, 20 witches because they get a really good invulnerable save when they're in combat. And that's exactly mm. where they want to be. So um, he's not going to have enough attacks to get through a, you know, a really high invulnerable save. So, 
yeah, I think that's really good. So you're actually spending your resources on defensive abilities rather than offensive, aren't you? Yeah. Okay, nice. And then we, if we look at killing him, and we can't do that, maybe we can't even slow him down. What's our third and final option? Let's look at just try ignore him completely. And by using, if you've got, if your army's quite fast with mobile units, can you get around the sides of him or go to the opposite side of the board and play the mission that way? And kind of screen him out and try and dictate where he can and cannot move, I think is key, key as part of that. Yeah. And really you're relying on your mobility, aren't you, for this? And again, you're going to focus on playing the mission. The fact that he can only be in one place. He can only be on one objective. He's not objective secured. So if you can just squeeze one little obsec model on there, um, you know, maybe declare a charge against him with another unit that you don't need because then he can't heroically intervene into your troop unit. That's just mm. stole that objective off him. Um, screening his base out. And also, if you think about it, there's five turns in the game. And he's probably not going to be charging turn one. So there's four turns you've got to worry about. And providing that you're spreading your army out far and wide, you're going to force him to make four individual charges. That means there's four failure points. And then providing that you've spread out your force enough, that also means he cannot multi-charge and then also yeah. give you a situation where you can kill one or more units. So maybe he's charging a random Venom or a random Star Weaver, but that's fine. You can give him four Star Weavers a turn. That's, that's not a problem if you're playing Harlequin wins um and again he may fail one of those charges maybe you start to you know draw out their cps to to re-roll those distances or whatever it might be so yeah this is kind of what we need to be if you so first of all it's can you kill him nope can you slow him down nope let's start to just ignore it completely and focus on a different game plan and not let him overwhelm you or tilt you at the table i think is kind of the the main mm -hmm. goal yeah Absolutely, I think that's the same for for all these units. Don't don't be overwhelmed by their kind of data sheet and what you've heard about them. Kind of think about the strategy to deal with them. That's the key part of what we're trying to trying trying try to say today, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to speed this up. You've got the general concept. So let's go through the next one. And who is that next powerhouse? It's the Timacarian from Tyranids, who's a Forge World big monster. And now this one, I must say, is a beautiful model. He's a bit of a beast. He is beautiful. Like, as far as all NID models go, he does look cool. So, but why is he so good? So I'll, I'll rattle through the, these key points of why he's good. He's got uh, as Kraken, and with a Swarm Lord, he's got a maximum threat range of 56 inches, which his inbuilt uh, abilities include ignoring terrain and models into the movement and the charge phase. He has a good level of defense. He's uh, T8s. Or it could be T7, he, but he's, he's high toughness. He has he has a 5 plus in them, and he has an ability to gain a 5 of Fiona Pain once he's killed something in combat, but then you could also put Catalyst on him to find a psychic power to, to do that while he's coming up the board. He's got a high level of damage output when he does get into combat, and he can also fight twice for extra damage and also additional movement shenanigans. Okay, in the Swarm Lord, just to quickly touch on him, you mentioned him earlier, he picks a unit, and allows you to move a unit again and that's what gives you that 56 total threat yes. ranges and he's jumping over terrain he's jumping over models he hits you like an absolute truck um okay cool but what is he weak to then so again he's over 18 wounds so he can't be obscured well he is 18 wounds he can't be obscured if you do get the first turn and you have the weapons to kind of deal with him he's a little bit susceptible to an alpha strike because he won't have feel no pain to if you go first um, so that's a layer of defense that he won't have. So that could provide an opportunity. And because he's got such a big base, 
and you could and the way that charging now works in ninth that you've got to anything you declare a charge you've got to get within an inch of it you can start to look to wrap up some of the more valuable units so with um with, with your screening units so that means they can't be declared as the um target of the charge so say so the um the Dimicaran itself is, a, I think, is about 270-odd points. Then you need the Swarm Lord, who's probably about the same, to kind of get that kind of overall package together. So it's, it starts to rack up in the points. Yeah, it's a big investment, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I was just saying there, um, I think we got caught for a couple of seconds, but um, you can start to look at his movement and start to measure out his threat range and start to place models just to kind of... Um, so if you know this is where he's going to land, then if you can just place a model there, when it gets to the movement phase, he can't land within an inch of you. So if you can spread out an area, you can start to move block him because, again, it, it, you have to be able to place that model down, although he can ignore terrain and things. So um, you can start to be a little bit smart with where you start to put those models as well, which we can come into a bit uh, further. So you mentioned about alpha striking him. What are we talking about if we want to try and kill him? What do we need? Cool. Again, high rate of fire or melee attacks is, can be effective against him because he's got, you know, the feel no pain and invulnerable save. Um, unlike Mortarian, high damage shots are more effective because he's only got a five plus invulnerable save. So a lot more should be getting through and he can be dealt with in melee because he's not turning off your rerolls uh, like Mortarian. So um, you have got the option to shoot him or fight him in combat. Weaker invulnerable save. Mortal wounds, again, are very effective against most things in the game to be honest yes yeah, so i think those are the kind of the key ways to kind of kill him yeah and if we can't kill him then what's our next trick so again you're looking to it's that slow down piece so you're looking to, to tar pit him in so sending in multiple units into combat make sure you can't kill them um and what would be the right question to ask your opponent before you make that decision um how many taxes the demicaron got and what strength and what damage so you can kind of figure out how many models he should be killing yeah and this is where a little bit of math hammer comes in right you can go okay if he's got this many attacks what does he hit on okay well that roughly how many miss i'll throw in an extra for good luck for the uh, my mm -hmm. opponent okay what is he wounding on okay is there any defensive stratagems i can play okay yes no uh you then go right so i need to throw in x amount of units is that a good trade is that something i want to do and then you can start to work those things out and that's where a little bit of math hammer can come in handy um, yes which is very nice so what else then? We can either target him, what else? Yeah, we're talking about positioning the units upfield. So if you've got infiltrating units, you could, you know, might be able to shave a couple of inches. Well, yeah, probably based on the, on the size of his base, it could be like up to six inches if you position him right. So we can't jump over the top of like one of your infiltrating units. That could help give you a bit more depth to, to hide away from him. And because he's got such a large threat range, you may look to consider to put stuff in strategic reserve or deep strike to know that it can it, it can be protected. Yeah, no, I like that. I and mean, again, because he is a lot more susceptible than Mortarion, so yeah. maybe you put those eradicators in deep strike or not deep strike, but in strategic reserve. Um, maybe you put those, I don't know, fire dragons or you put those um, fusion crisis team, whatever you've got. Yeah. The, the your, I think one of the things that you need to do is you need to evaluate who is your most valuable unit in this game. And you go, right, this is the unit for the job to kill the Dimmy. And this is the unit that I need to protect at all costs to make sure that this monster just can't go steaming through the rest of your army. And you make sure they're protected until they can come on and then they 
can you know deliver the blow that they need to to that unit okay i like it um and if you can't kill it slow it down what are our last options yeah, we're looking to ignore it. It's slightly more difficult to ignore the Dimicare because it's so quick. But again, you're looking to just play the mission, dance around the outside of the board. He's Again, he's only one model, so he can only be on one objective. So you're looking to get around the outside to deal with everything else in the list to try and take away those objectives. Um, I might be throwing a curveball at you here. You may not know the answer to this. And He's not a character, is he? No. Can he heroically intervene? Uh, I don't believe he can heroically intervene, but actually he did remind me, uh, he, he if he's cracking, he can fall back and charge. Okay. So just sort of maybe tar pitting him necessarily, if he's cracking, isn't the best strategy, but if he's yeah. in some other sort of faction, then, um, you know, it's going to be a very good idea to do that. Okay, nice. Yeah. And then if you can't heroically intervene, again, you can just out-obsec him on, ta- on, on <laughs> objectives, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the, the main the main differences between this guy and Mortarian, there's lots of similarities how you kind of deal with him, but he's he's obviously a lot quicker, but he's a lot less defensible. So you should be able to kill him lot, once once you've kind of come up with a strategy to deal with that initial potential alpha strike from him. Yeah, no, perfect. Right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to cover the next three. Today's show is sponsored by Foreground Publishing. Premium pre-painted MDF terrain perfect for your Warhammer 40k 9th edition games as seen on the Vanguard Tactics stream and battle reports. Just unbox, build and play. And to order your set of terrain, just head over to www.foregroundpublishing.co.uk. This podcast is sponsored by C Studios, the leading commission painting service for tabletop miniatures. From placing your order, seeing the work in progress and receiving your stunning new models, Siege Studios delivers an incredible service and experience. One of the most exciting days I can ensure you is receiving that parcel at the door and unwrapping the best gift ever. To find out more about getting your army commissioned painted by the professionals, check out www.siegestudios.co.uk. Okay, we're back from the break. And uh, Jack, what is our number three on our biggest bad guys today? Cool. So we're going to concentrate on the Deathwing Terminators, but I think a lot of the, these principles that rely to all kind of Space Marine Terminators, but as Death Guards Terminators as well, they've all got kind of similar attributes, mm-hmm. but we're going to really focus in on the Deathwing as a, they're some of the most resilient in the game now. Yeah, they've got like everything, haven't they, that you kind of want from a yeah. durable unit okay so cool so let's go through some of these options and obviously they're a typical terminator so they're t4 you know three wounds two plus save five plus invulnerable save but it gets better right so where where all these additional layers so yeah so if you look at the death we'll look at the death wing um you know unlike the previous two examples this is now a unit so it can now spread across multiple objectives if it needed to um and you know high damage weapons you know might not be so so effective because you could lose kind of efficiencies there. But in terms of Deathwing defensive, it's going to have a two plus armor save standard. Quite often, it's going to have storm shields, so that means you'll be onto a one up armor save in the open, not plus armor save in cover with a four up invent, and um, likely to be minus one damage from the the chapter ancient with the right relic and access to feel no pain with the apothecary and the ability to bring models back. And they also have a high damage output as well with thunder hammers or lightning claws. They're going to do some work once they get in. And they've also got inbuilt transhuman, haven't they? So you can't wound them on yes. one, two, or three. Yes, absolutely. So uh, very, very tanky. 
And I think the other thing to mention about this unit, which makes them a little more tricky to deal with, is that they can be obsec through a warlord trait, rights of war. So again, can make them quite challenging to deal with. Yeah. So yeah, very good unit. Um, but what they're weak against, they're very slow. And once they're on the board, you know where they are. They don't really have many movement shenanigans, so their angle attack is known. Is once they're on the board, and they've they've got a you know a threat range typically of seventeen inches based on their five inch move and a twelve inch charge. So you can they can't threaten too much of the board either. Once they've kind of declared where they are, either in deployment or via deep strike. Yeah, and that. They need character support to be effective. So, you know, I played against a, a Deathwing Brick the other day. Once, when it's in all the buffs, it's very, very resilient. But but soon as it kind of moves out, makes that first charge, and then it can't get its buffs up again, it becomes very much easier to deal with at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this was something that I found when I played against Joe, and he used a Deathwing. He had two units of Deathwing, one all supported by characters, and the other one not supported and I absolutely whizzed through the unit that wasn't supported with a combination of attacks in, um, which we'll go on to. But um, the other unit that was buffed up, I just couldn't even kill them. They were literally <laughs> an immovable object that I had to apply a different technique. So actually, we've got the same unit here, but because of their positioning and their character support, I had apply one tactic for one side of the table and I applied another tactic yeah. for the other. So I had to be flexible in my approach to uh, help me in that game. And, and and the example of that was on our last stream game, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that was the one that, um, you know, me and Joe played on stream. Um, and that was last Tuesday night. So you can check that back out on the YouTube uh, Vanguard Tactics. So how do we kill these guys then? So it's, uh, again, it's a high rate of fire. It, because they're reducing damage, you, you're looking, you want damage three or higher as well. Um, you need at least AP minus two AP three to start pushing these guys back up to Invan save as well. Um, AP one doesn't do anything against the Terminator in a, in, in storm shields. Um, so you need that higher AP. Um, and again, mortal wounds, it just sails through let many layers of that defensive buffs. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So your gray knights, your thousand sons out there, you buy, you boys are doing all right. I think. Yes. Um, yeah. I think there's actually a lot to be said for those and they're actually, I think, sort of sleeping dormant factions at the moment that mm -hmm. um, I think because we're seeing all this, that mortal wound word keeps cropping up and uh, there's certainly, this is what I love about the game, it's so diverse and as something comes in, it may be something's not as popular, all of a sudden it might become more potent again because these other uh, big bad guys are rising to the top. Um, okay, cool. So how do you slow them down? So these are much easier to slow down in comparison to the the uh, the big monsters we kind of dis discussed because they don't have fly. You can quite easily move block them. Yeah, and and and, uh, and I think that is that was brilliantly highlighted in your game against Joe on the stream. It's you can build a wall of, of of cheap infantry. You know, guardsmen move, move, moving is a great example that they can fly across the board, encircle a unit of terminators, and stop it moving at all. You know, eat, to get towards an objective or declaring a charge against something more valuable. So that's a great tool to kind of deal with it. And you could do that multiple turns to kind of, you know, really dictate how much effect that this unit has on the game. Yeah, I was doing things like just charging in a unit of uh, Chaos Space Marines into a Talon Master. So then I send in another unit to kill the Talon Master, but then I know that my unit gets to 
not only make a charge move, so I get the distance there to swing out and start making the line I want, and then I can move three inches to pile in, three inches to consolidate, and all of a sudden, you know, his Terminators were moving. That well, they weren't. They were just they had to remain stationary because he couldn't come within an inch of me. Um, and again, you can do this with Eldar. You could use fire and fade. You could, uh, like you said, with move, move, move. You could use quicken. You could use any sort of ability that you have whatsoever uh, to maybe fall out of combat, you know, and use that to wrap up something. Um, you know, after you fought, I'm thinking Ravenwing. Um, I'm thinking Harlequins. Loads of little tricks. That's just how you keep this unit penned in. And also, terrain can be your friend here as well, can't it? You know, making sure you're utilizing where the terrain edges are, where the board edges are, and kind of help using that to help you move block as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and kind of, you know, the, the kind of ignoring strategy, we kind of touched on it earlier, they've only got, they got a relatively short threat range of 17 inches, and that's based on a 12-inch charge. So um, they're very manageable because they don't have the, all these movement shenanigans and they're slow. So once they're on the board, you know where they are, they know where they want to go. So you could look at yeah. kind of move blocking that off and... Uh, yeah, so you don't necessarily, it's much easier to ignore and slow this unit down. And it's real easy to screen it out, right? You just go, cool, I don't want you hitting this, so I'm going to make sure I've got a unit <laughs> of guardsmen just in front of my lines. If you can't stay out of that 17 inches, unit of guardsmen up the front there, and uh, I'm over three inches away from my next unit, so you won't be able to pile in, and you, you won't be able to reach that other unit. Cool, you can, if you do make your 10-inch charge, whatever it is, you're going to pick up 10 guardsmen and I'm not really fussed. So um, again, being very careful where you're, what are your screening units? And again, it brings that importance back into you screening units to take that speed bump charge as it were. Uh, Yeah. But I think that's some really good top tips. And yeah, if you want to see that in action, go and watch my stream game because it really was a, a masterclass at how you, you know, just eradicate that unit from really doing anything. So yes, um, an awesome game as well real nail biter um right towards the very end as well so the next one i'll let you take this one away okay so this next one the sanguinary guard the sanguinary guard are very strong now they got i'll go through what they get and then we can cover some what they're weak to and everything else they've got a 14 inch move now they've get five attacks on the charge when they're in the assault doctrine. The strength five minus four two damage with a two plus save. Uh, they can get plus one to hit near a warlord. They can get a six plus feel no pain. They can get plus one to wound on the charge. They get plus one to their charge result as well. And they're also minus one to hit in combat. They can heroically intervene and also they can be obsec and obviously they can fly. So this unit of space marines is ridiculous for the amount of attacks it gets. Um, you know they're three hundred points. Per Per unit and that 300 points you could have three times um i did say about the 14 inch move that's because they get um a character as well the sanguine ancient that if you take him he gives you the two plus extra movement yeah just extremely fast mobile hard-hitting unit in combat and also they actually put out a good volume of shots as well uh, so these guys get two shots each at range 18 strength four minus one um, and yeah, they're just very good at clearing screens. They can obviously go back up, but they can also, should I say, go back up in the sky. Uh, so if they didn't come from, from deep strike, they can come back up and then come back down another turn. And when they do arrive, they can get another plus one to hit. So they can actually, um, you know, activate 
on their own and quite independently. And some of the buffs that you put on the unit, you actually put it on in the command phase and then the unit can go off and do its thing. So um, it doesn't need to like hug the characters like it used to. But with huge amount of power comes a fair few drawbacks as well. So they are only a space marine. So they have toughness four and they've only got two wounds and they have to stay near the characters for the extra survivability and whether that's defensive buffs doesn't it yeah for the defensive buffs such as the six plus feel no pain and if you have got an invulnerable save maybe it's coming from a librarian fruit psychic fortress that's the only way to get them to have an invulnerable save so again you're gonna have to stay within that aura range and also you have to get that power off um so again that that's fantastic but they are very susceptible to high AP weapons. Uh, so anything that's like minus two, minus three is perfect. Anything with damage two or three is perfect. You're just going to absolutely rinse this unit. Um, and again, when we played it, the uh, LVO Nopen, um, I just used a unit of Repenture, you know, which are, uh, you know, like strength six, minus four, two damage. And that just goes straight through the Sanguinary Guard armor and you pick up the entire unit. So um, those sort of very sharp edged uh small combat units like howling banshees can go in and do quite a, a lot of work to sanguinary guard you know incubi repenture whatever it might be um rock saws from gene stealer cult these will hurt the sanguinary guard a lot so um yeah they're very they're very easy to kill i think yeah they're not primaris either so they don't have access to transhuman no so like yeah i think the major difference between the terminators and sanguinary guard is that yeah, they probably hit hit as hard as each other, but the secondary guard is much quicker, less defensible, and then terminate is the opposite way around. Yeah, and I mean, like we've kind of sort of discussed there and how they're weak, and when you actually look to kill them, I think one of the biggest things that the Blood Angel player can do is use terrain a lot because they are infantry; they can fly, they can just jump over it. So, the the biggest challenge is actually trying to kill it, and that is to bait the army out isn't it beta out mm-hmm. into the open and what do we mean by that we need to get those units which are 300 points so if he's got three units of these that's only you know that's half his army in three units and these are going to be the big damage dealers and then we need to draw these out so how do we do that okay we need to get your models on objectives very far so start scoring points against the blood angel player blood angels don't like it when you start scoring points against them so get out in the open and make sure that they can't consolidate or pile in around you know back into terrain once they've killed you so use those units to just draw out this army um and then that's gonna be a fantastic way then to you know bring it out so you can start to you know hit it where you want to so what else obviously we've mentioned high ap damage you know thunder hammers eradicators plasma weapons that's all going to be fantastic to actually kill this unit when it is out in the open lots of shots anything that's got that minus one can ignore cover you know heavy bolters from imperial fist or aggressors or uh, suppressors do a great job as well um all of these units can easily kill it mortal wounds absolutely slice through it there's no or like we said only a six plus feel no pain with two wounds each you know a couple of units of strike teams from gray knights will just rinse a unit and if we can't kill it then how do we slow them down again this is much much harder to slow down a unit of um you know sanguinary guard in terms of on the tabletop but we can slow it down in terms of achieving what it wants to so what we can start to do is you know throw in those units that have that minus one damage built in so sanguinary guard going into deathwing it's just 
the Sanguinary Guard are going to bounce. So again, anything that's got minus one damage, a Dreadnought even, can sometimes hold up a unit of five Sanguinary Guard. Um, they can't fall back in charge. So if you, again, you, you, if you multi-charge with multiple units, what this means is if you attack, let's say the Sanguinary Guard units spread out over six inches, if you charge either side and make sure you, when you make your charge, you base the unit, then what that means is that the unit cannot pile in in the middle. So you're just what you're doing there is you're stopping the amount of attacks that's going to come back at you. And then again, like we mentioned about the Dimacaron, use units to move block its landing to protect, you know, the things that you need protecting from the charge and start to bait out those long bomb charges from the Blood Angel player as well. Start to really say, OK, cool, well, you can charge me, but you can need a nine, you can need a ten. And then the Blood Angel player is going to sit there and think, oh, can I afford to take that? If I do it, then maybe I'll win the game if I do it. Maybe I can stop you scoring. Start to bait out those longer charges. Again, get them out in the open. Um, and the other thing that really hurts them is anything that makes them fight last. They do not like that at all because, like we said, if they're made to fight last, some of the more smaller, less impactful units, like a unit of Howling Banshees, can, you know, pick up most of the unit or most of the unit so that the rest of it either fails to morale or becomes really not that impactful whatsoever once it's outside of its, you know, big five to eight man or plus unit when it's down to two or three it doesn't really do a great deal so again fight last is a really good way to slow this unit down but um yeah have i kind of missed anything jack no i think i, I think you've covered all the bases there as i would expect for the battle of the hours that you've put in with that unit yeah and i think the other things that really bug me um is when people um kind of spread their army out wide so if you want to ignore them spread spread out your army you know make put as much distance between each of your units as possible so I can kill something but then if I've made the wrong decision you can just turn around and fire at me with the other unit so I never like that either um, and yeah start scoring as fast as you possibly can don't let the blood angel player just sit back and score you need to start scoring as quickly as you can on the point front so um, yeah that's uh, I think that sums up everything there is to know about the sanguinary guard so we've got one more left haven't we yeah one more it's the Necron Catan. Or Catan's plural, maybe. Yes, yes I think... Um, so these are, these are slightly different to everyone else on the list because the, this is the first one uh, that's got... It can only take max three wounds per phase and can also heal. So that's kind of one of his key abilities. It's got a high damage output in terms of mortal wound and in combat, and they are completely independent. They don't need any support from any other... Um, models to, to be fully effective. Yeah. But then if you look at their weaknesses, they are they are slow. They're only an 8-inch move. So with a 12-inch charge, it's 20 inches. They can't advance and do their and they do their powers either. So um, you can kind of work around their threat range. And they can only be in one place, and they'll never be obsec either. Can they fall back in charge? I don't think so. But yeah, but they can't be obsec. So they can't... They're damage dealers. They don't play the mission though particularly well for the Necron army. Yeah. And also there's, you've got to be very careful, haven't you? Because I mean, how many wounds do they have? Is it nine? Nine. Yeah. So if you can only take three wounds per phase, that does mean that you could kill them, right? So they need to be very, very careful in how the Necron player uses this unit. Do they have the character keyword? Yes, but they can be targeted. Right, so they don't get the benefits of Lookout, sir. No. 
Okay, cool. So how do we kill this unit then? Um, so uh, what you need is the ability to do wounds in multiple phases. Uh, and we'll, we'll break that down in a bit more detail. Um, yeah, so you've got, I remember, it's not just shooting and combat. There's also the, the other phases that sometimes get overlooked. So you're psychic, you can, you can put some mortal wounds out. Charge phase, orc vehicles are great for doing this um, with, with some certain stratagems or in, inbuilt abilities to do mortal wounds. Yep. Hammer of Wrath. Something yeah, like Hammer that. of Wrath and different yeah. stratagems as well. Like, you know, some of these stratagems that you may never use in any other game, but actually comes a very effective tool to kind of deal with these guys. Uh, then you've got your shooting and combat movement phase. You know, uh, bombers and planes can, can do mortal wounds in the movement phase or using a stratagem to, like, um, Xerophon, for example, they could drop in, can't they, and shoot in the, the movement phase or gene steal a cult. Yeah, or the old swooping hawks, right? Don't they have the ability yeah. when they fly over something, you can do drops and bombs yes. or something? Yes, the, the guy grenade packs. Yeah. Uh, other Catans can do mortal wounds in the movement phase as well. And then you got Overwatch as well in, Sorry. in the charge phase. Sorry, what? What's that? Overwatch? Uh, Overwatch, yes. That's, uh, I'm, still, I'm still hanging on to it as a tower player. Crux, it's it's a great technique to uh, to kind of deal with the katans. Yeah, no, that's so. Actually, when you break it down, you know, look through your codex to think where yes. can I do some wounds? What stratagems? What abilities have I got in my locker? I mean, I hate to say it, but you could even use an orbit, orbital bombardment, couldn't you? When's that done in the shooting phase or the movement I think, phase? Uh, I think it is shooting phase now, but no. but exactly, you dig into the detail of your book. You know, for Tower in particular, I really struggle against these guys because I can only typically do damage in one phase and shooting. And because they heal a, t- a wound every turn, it's minimum four turns to kill one. So I'm kind of looking at where can I kind of get those additional wounds from, try and bait out a charge is a great way for the Overwatch to pick up three wounds that way. Um, or if I you know, might need to consider putting um, faster enclaves into my list. They can do mortal wounds on the charge, for example. And I think this is going to be something really crucial is that you actually, when the, when the Catan charges you, it isn't a bad thing because definitely overwatch and providing you can do some wounds back in combat. And they don't typically, if as long they don't as have you, a, they don't have a large number of attacks. So you can normally, as long as you use a big juicy unit, you're like, yeah, come in, come and hit my unit of six aggressors. Come in, come on, come and have it. Overwatch, let them kill a couple, but then put your defensive benefits on, whatever it might be, and then get a couple wounds back, and then you just fall back and shoot, and he's dead. And then the Necron player does not get chance to uh, regenerate. So you, what you're doing is you're looking at the okay. I can kill him in or do three wounds in Overwatch, three f- wounds in combat, and then three wounds in my next psychic or shooting phase, and he's dead. And the Necron player is not going to get to use him again. So, um, and they're not cheap, are they? What's a Nightbringer? How many points is he? No, is he 370 now? Yeah. So a big chunk of points, which can be yes. dealt with in, you know, Harlequins can just use different aspects, you know, psychic phase, shooting phase, combat phase. He's done. No problem. You just got to be, you got to really think, haven't you? You got to think a turn ahead. Is this, I can't let the Necron player have a turn where I need to do, if I've only got three phases, you can't let the Necron player have a turn. You need to do them like consecutively before they get another turn back, don't you? Absolutely. 
And when we think about it, there's actually 10 phases that you can really do damage, obviously, you know, when it's, you've got your opponent's battle round and then, or turn, then you've got yours as well. So you need to maximize all of those as best as you possibly can. So how do we slow him down though if we can't kill him? So again, it's putting in multiple units into combat with him. He doesn't have many attacks, so it's it's quite easy to kind of put in a you know ten guardsmen or guardians or fire warriors, whatever it might be, to kind of really slow him down. He, he can't then fall back and charge, etc. So that that works quite well. A few of the Catan powers also uh, attack the um, closest visible, so you can kind of dictate which units that's going to hit as well. So that's a good way of slowing down his damage output. And then if we can't slow him down what other tactics we got you just just completely ignore him he's um again we mentioned it earlier he's not particularly quick his, his typical threat range where his threat range for charge is 20 inches and i think his threat range for some of his powers is about 32 34 inches so you can kind of skirt around and play the mission around him as well and, and just let him let him be i think that's certainly what i kind of do with the tower is kind of let him be where he needs to be and take everything else off the table and I think as well, your opponent's going to always be a little bit careful. They're not just going to stick their katan on the front line because they are going to be worried about you getting a turn one charge or you you shooting and then charging him or, you know, whatever it might be. So he might be a few ranks back. He's never going to be right on the front line. Um, and providing you've got some little threat up your sleeve, just keep providing a bit of a threat. And that in itself can slow down the Necron player. Uh, from maybe being as aggressive as he wants to be with this thing. So, um, yeah, no, I think we've covered some really, really good, you know, strategies here. And I think if I was to summarize three, I would probably go with use your objective secured at all times and play the mission. If you keep that as your primarily focus, no matter what you come up against, whether you can kill it or slow it down, then just by playing the mission, scoring as many points as you can, you'll still win the game. The next thing I've, you know, really looked to hear as mortal wounds can really be your friend. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And if you can't kill it, don't get overwhelmed. Think of other ways to either slow it down and ignore it. Things like move blocking, staying outside of their charge threat range. Okay, Mortarian, how far did you move? 12 inches, cool. I'm 24.1 inches away, okay? So you can't charge me this turn. Constantly staying out of threat ranges, asking the right questions to your opponent are some really, really good ways to make sure that you can just not, I think, tilt when you see these units and not get overwhelmed by them. So um, I think we've covered some really good stuff today. Anything else from you, Jack, that you want to cover? No, I think uh, I think you kind of summarised it very well there. It's uh, Think about some of these lists, so some of these um, units and kind of your list building and kind of develop those strategies. So when you do see these on the board, you're, uh, you know exactly what you need to do. Yeah, and I would say one thing as well. If you play against, you know, Mortar in the first time, don't worry about if he absolutely smashes you game one. You know, listen to this podcast again. Think about critically about where you went wrong or maybe some of the things that you didn't do. So then next time you can, you know, get a little bit better. You don't have to go straight out the gate thinking, you know, just because you lost to a list with one of these things in that that list is OP or um, it's problematic or it can't be killed. It can. We will. Everybody will get better the more times you do it. You know, it just, you know, allow experience to shape you and allow you to become more flexible as you get more experience in with your army as well. And always remember that you will improve and get better. 
But yeah, Jack, thanks so much for your time today. I think it's been an awesome show. Loads of great, valuable insights today. And I just want to say, guys, thank you so much for all of your support. Um, in you know, without you guys that you know subscribe to the podcast, who are leaving us reviews. We wouldn't be doing as well as we are. Uh, we wouldn't have potentially become previewers for Games Workshop. And we cannot wait to help you, um, you know, achieve more with your armies, really get the most out of them and just feel confident and comfortable at the tabletop. So if you want to see our show notes, we're going to write all of this down today. We're going to put it over on the blog page and that will be over on the Vanguard Tactics website, which is www.vanguardtactics.com forward slash blog. And then you'll see all of the different blog posts for all the different aspects. And then also what we've got is four really great written articles this month that will be coming out along with all of our stream games that happen on a Tuesday night. So you can see this stuff in action. So once again, thanks so much. And uh, we'll see you next week on the Competitive 40K podcast. Take care.